Kansas City, good evening. Is there anybody alive out there? Hey, how's it going? I'm Lee McCormick. Welcome to Tramps Like Us, a Bruce Springsteen podcast, episode 133, 2023 tour, night eight, Kansas City, Missouri. The E Street Band keeps on rocking and rolling across the Midwest of the United States. I'm happy to welcome to the show David Hudson from the super cool Black Crows podcast, State of America. David attended his first Bruce Springsteen concert on February 18th in Kansas City, and he joins us to give his thoughts on the show. Thanks, as always, for listening and downloading the show from the website TrampsLikeUsPod.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you found it. Stay in touch with us at the Facebook group page, Tramps Like Us, a Bruce Springsteen podcast. So we got about, uh, have we done two? This will be the third recap episode. I myself am just about to head out for a road trip to see the band in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'll be sure to follow up on this podcast with my full review and experience. And if any one of you out there are going to be seeing the band, please come on the podcast and share those experiences. Holler at me on the website or the Facebook group page. Let's reminisce with David on the band in Kansas City, February 18th, 2023. The crown of mongrel trees I pulled that bothersome thread Got down on my knees Grabbed my pen and bowed my head Tried to summon all That my heart finds true And send it in my letter Pleasure to welcome to the show, David Hudson. How's it going, man? I'm well, Lee. How about yourself? Pretty good, pretty good. Thanks for coming on the show and uh, giving a recap of the Springsteen show that you just saw. What was it the other night, right? You were at the uh, Kansas City show? Yeah, at the uh, T-Mobile Arena, I believe it's called. Nice, yeah. So that was, uh, my notes here, night, night eight of the tour, February 18th, Kansas City. Happy to have you on the show. Give us a little recap here. We haven't met yet, so uh, but you're part of the uh, the podcast community, the whole uh, rock and pod scene. You do that uh, State of America, the Black Crows podcast, right? Yeah, yeah, we've been doing it for 
coming up on four years actually so if you like the black crows seek us out give us a listen yeah yeah cool cool show i'm a listener good stuff thank you appreciate it all right so let's get into it man let's uh let's talk about that springsteen show you saw give us a little bit of a lead up to the show there tell me about maybe your uh your fandom of springsteen what kind of fan are you uh had you seen the band before so i may be one of the more interesting people you've had do this um just a very very casual fan over the years um, I got into music, honestly, pretty hard when I was six years old, and I'm, I'm 46, so 82, 83 is when I really got into music, and one of my first cassettes I ever bought, or was given to me, was Born in the USA, Prince Purple Rain, those two, got those basically at the same time, and I loved Born in the USA, obviously at age six or seven, you don't understand what that song is really about, but it's just this big, booming anthem, and so after that, I mean, like, the singles i know the singles um never really went much deeper than that but the reason i went uh three fraternity brothers of mine we haven't done anything together since covid and so one of them uh, messaged me and said hey they're huge springsteen fans like they've gone all over the country giant stadium and stuff like that do you want to go and i said yeah it's a pricey ticket but i'll go just hang out with you guys and and at least check him off my list of people I've seen. Right. So he said, both of them, all three of them said, I think things are, your opinion of him is going to change after you see him. So uh, we planned it a couple of months ago and they live in Memphis. So I drove a couple hours, picked them up and we drove another eight hours to Kansas city, uh, spent the weekend. Wow. That's awesome, man. Good, good little rock and roll road trip there. Eh? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and we listened to, we listened to him on the way up there and, yeah on the way back and they they gave me a lot of history on a lot of stuff so uh, i feel a little bit more better educated that's cool man well i'm glad to have you on the show and gives kind of uh this kind of newbie opinion your first time at a springsteen show it's pretty awesome <laughs> did you guys have any issues getting tickets you know about the whole ticket debacle the dynamic pricing how did that go no down he um chris i guess there was some type of a lottery or something like that or i, I can't remember anyway he said he was going to have the ability to get them and so he got on there we sat at the back of the arena 21 rows from the floor in the corner. So actually re- really good good seats. I think uh I think we paid $420 a piece for them. Wow. Concert tickets these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're, yeah, and, and, you know. You you have a Black Crow show there, right? And the uh the last tour they did over the last couple of years, they played Toronto uh last summer there. And I wasn't going to go to the show. Like uh, to be honest, like I'm a huge Steve Gorman fan, so uh, you know I wasn't mm-hmm. really on board with with the new band, the lineup, and all that stuff. But they had tickets for nineteen dollars, <laughs> right? Nineteen dollars to go uh, hang out on the lawn and smoke some weed and watch the Black Crows. So I, I went, I did that for sure. But uh, yeah, four hundred and fifty American, eh, for one seat at a Springsteen show? God damn! I've paid more for shows, so. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's just, you know, now had we waited, they were going for $20 an hour for the show. Really? Um, now those tickets were behind the stage. I don't know how much they were in front. I did not see an empty seat anywhere in the arena. I'm going to see them in a couple of weeks and our, our seats are sort of behind the stage there, like in the the corner. And I've Mm -hmm. seen, uh, I've seen bands there before. I saw the stones from that, uh, from that vantage point, it was phenomenal. I've seen Springsteen from that side uh, one other time, and it was really good. So, uh, like, his stage show, it's just an empty stage, right? And you're just watching the musicians. So it's one of those uh, mm-hmm. live concerts that you can kind of open up the back, and it's... Uh, the only lights they have are essentially mood lighting. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's just blue and yellow and a little green. Yeah. Cool. So tell me about the warm-up to the show. You guys arrive at the venue. you guys uh, get some beers? Did you get any uh, barbecue before the show? <laughs> Yeah, we had some amazing barbecue at a place called Jack Stack. If you're ever in Kansas City, you have to have a reservation. That's how great the place is uh, for a barbecue place. Uh, they have a thing. I think it's called KC Live. It's essentially across the um, the uh, the street from the arena, and it's probably 15 or 20 restaurants and bars. And in the center is like a not a green space, but just a place to stand. And they have like a huge TV screen, so they had like the KU basketball game going, yeah. and it was packed. Now. Every time I've ever been to Kansas City during the winter, I've nearly froze to death because it's so windy. Um, f- by their standards, it was it was 45, 50 degrees, and the wind was howling. But, I mean, it wasn't unbearable. But um, we had dinner and a few drinks, and um, Mosey Don acro- literally just walked across the street. And the doors opened at 6. I got there at 6.30. They stayed around for another drink and didn't get there at about 7.15. But I don't like chancing it. 
like give yourself some time in case something's wrong with your ticket or, you know, I've, cause I've been to shows where you have to just stand in line for 30 or 40 minutes to get through the door. So I'll always go in and get my seat and make sure I got it all taken care of. You don't know. Sometimes it's out of your hands. Eh? Sometimes whoever's running the building is just, they don't know what they're doing. So many shows. I remember, uh, seeing cheap trick and Aerosmith and and being lined up outside on the sidewalk and hearing cheap trick on the stage and like being in line for like two hours. Like what's the deal? <laughs> like I, right. I missed opening bands because of some bullshit, like lineup trying to get in or, you know, like, so that's cool. You moseyed yes, on over I, there. Did you check out any yeah. of the merch or get a beer? Or what was the vibe? I, like? I, I, I didn't. I, um, I just walked past the merch. I never even looked at it. Yeah. Um, just, I mean, $50 for a t-shirt. You know, it's just getting, it's and crazy, I don't, man. that's where these guys get their money I'm from very pi- I'm, merch and ticket prices. I'm, right? I am very picky about buying t-shirts. Like I don't really like black t-shirts yeah. and that's kind of the go-to for, you know, and my buddies that went, they all went and looked at it and said they didn't see anything they wanted to buy. So, now, had they had a show specific poster just for KC, I would have gotten it because I'm, I'm a big, as you can see, well, I got a, the background on, but I have a lot of. You know, show posters and stuff like that. That's the only thing I probably would have considered buying. Yeah, those are cool. Those are a new thing bands are doing, eh? Like, uh, look like a band logo and like a, I don't know, a stylized thing based on the city they're in, you know? Yeah, they could have had a shot of the E Street band at that barbecue place getting some ribs and some, uh, some brisket, <laughs> right? <laughs> if, if they went where we did, they wouldn't have been able to play. Yeah. They would have been, they would have been out with the meat sweats. Yeah, yeah. Cool, man. All right. Well, let's get into the show. Let's get into the, uh, let's do like a sort of a song by song, track by track, go through the set list here. Now, uh, the lights okay. go down, the band walks on the stage, right? The anticipation. Yeah. They, yeah, the lights go out and essentially there's a entrance at the bottom, at the back of the stage. There's kind of a bright light shining through there and each member, uh, comes out, walks to the front of the stage, waves, and then goes to, you know, whatever instrument they're going to do and then little steven comes out next to last and he had a this really flamboyant looking hat on it had to be in like this big and he bends over salutes the crowd and takes it off place go nuts and everybody gets everybody kind of got set and then the boss shows up and of course you know um place went crazy and i think he before they started playing something he said something along the lines of like kansas city's loud tonight or something like that and then they started yeah, Saturday night crowd, right? This was a Saturday night in Kansas City. Yeah. Good time. Opening uh, opening song is No Surrender. Uh, no Surrender goes right into Ghosts. And I'm looking at the set list here. The set list FM, it says Ghosts. And then it says, with fuck COVID chant after revealing Jake Clemens tested positive before the show. So did like Bruce say something like, uh, Jake's not here, he's got COVID? And then... Yeah, he, uh, I believe he, he either said it right before Ghost or right afterwards. Uh, he just said what was going on. Then he had the crowd spell it out and chant it three or four times. And uh, he seemed obviously. I don't think Jake Clemens is very sick because he was kind of making fun of what uh, what Jake was probably doing back at the uh, at the hotel. But uh, yeah, that was that was interesting. My my buddy leaned over and he said, "Yeah, if anybody's got like three or four year old children here, they're going that spells go Bruce." I hear the sound of your guitar. Jacket you always wore 
COVID casualty of this show? The last couple of weeks, there's been E Street members coming and going. I mean, he was the only one that they said anything about. And you'll know the guy's name. I don't know his name. Um, He's been a saxophone. Sax guy, yeah. Eddie Mannion, yes. So Bruce said he's been with him for close to 40 years. Yeah, well, he's from like Southside Johnny Asbury Juke. So he's all in that scene like since the 70s, 80s. This was the, he said, Bruce said he's been waiting 40 years to be able to have this opportunity. And on like the last sax solo he did, um, as he was playing, Bruce put his arm around him and was just like, man, I'm so proud of you and I'm so happy for you. And he announced to the crowd, you know, this guy, he's good. I think he said, this guy's been waiting 40 years for this. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, he just knocked it out of the park. Yeah, to play the sax solo on Thunder Road at the end of the Thunder Road or something like that, right? That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. The mighty E Street Horns. <laughs> Eddie Mannion, who's playing a sax for us tonight, has played with us for 40 years. And tonight's his night. <laughs> 40 years in the back line. Getting to come up from. Yeah, I was saying to uh, Randy on the last episode, he went to the uh, Dallas and the uh, Austin shows. And once again, there were some ca- uh, COVID casualties there. And I was saying, it's well, you know, it's unfortunate that Steven's not there, but it gives some opportunity for Gary to come up and sing with Bruce on the mic. And just like this show is giving Eddie kind of an opportunity to uh, shine. So you get some uh, some neat little moments there. You know, he unfortunately, beside, because of this COVID thing. But yeah, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Ghost, we going to prove it all night? That was a, uh, prove it all night and letter to you. I thought were really good. I, I was familiar. I, I bought or got the... Um, the new album before we went and listen, listen to it it, and then prove it all night. I know it was an older song that I wasn't familiar with, but I absolutely, I I enjoyed it. Letter to you was really, really good. Um, More of a rocking tune, I guess, for what he's been doing here lately. 
And uh, the crowd responded, I thought, pretty well to it. Now, my, my buddies that went with me, like I said, they're diehard Bruce fans. They both think that it uh, is his best. They think it and Magic are his two best albums of the last 24, 25 years. Well, I definitely agree with Magic. Magic is in my top top five or six uh, Bruce records and definitely my favorite thing from him, like in the 21st century that he's put out. Yeah, I love Magic. Yeah, Letter to You is probably the, a close one next to that. And the crowd, like I said, the crowd, the crowd knew it. So for you know a new song, they they responded well. Next up is the Promised Land off of uh, Darkness on the Edge of Town. We got some sax by Eddie on that, some harmonica from Bruce. Yeah, I I wasn't familiar with this song at all, but uh, I really appreciated the musicality of it. And um, like like I'm gonna go ahead and say it. I've become a Bruce fan after the show. I got on, <laughs> on the way home in the Uber. I was ordering vinyl on Amazon. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, so not all the songs that I'm really that familiar with. I, there's only two that I didn't put to you this way. There's only two I didn't enjoy. And we'll get to those in right. a minute. Cool. But uh, out in the street, I honestly don't remember that one or have any recollection on it. So I can't really. That's off the river. That's a big sing along. Okay. Out in the street. And then the crowd goes, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> okay. It's a good fun song about, uh, you know, quitting time on a Friday night, getting off work and putting your Okay. Now that you on, say that, I, going now that you say that. Boys in the street. Yeah. Yeah. Now that you talk about that call and response, I definitely remember it. Yeah. The crowd got into it big time. And at the end, it usually does a, a, a chorus thing with the, uh, all the guys in the band. They all go out in the street, out in the street, out in the street. Back yeah. And forth. yeah. Yeah. You're right. I remember that yeah. now. I love these uh, this this two for coming up here. Candy's Room and A Kitty's Back, two intense songs. Well, Candy's Room, one of the guys that went with us, that was his favorite song. And he was really excited that he, that he was getting to hear that. Um probably going to make some people mad. I thought Kitty's Back was awful. You don't like that. I was going to say cuz uh you're a Black Crows guy and that's kind of the jam song of the night, but you you weren't you weren't digging it, eh? No, I and, and I love. I mean, I love widespread panic. Almond Brothers, Goose. I love jam bands. Um, and my buddy hit. My buddy Chris had told me beforehand. He goes, "This song is awful." He goes, "Watch the crowd is just gonna, it's just gonna sit." He goes, "It's way too long," and that was the most the crowd sat the entire night and and bathroom breaks. And I leaned over to him and I said, "Is it ever gonna end?" <laughs> you know, and he's like, it just doesn't, it just keeps going. And he goes, and my other guy goes, you're a big jam band guy. You don't like this. And I was like, song does nothing for me. Maybe I was prejudiced because Chris had told me, he goes, they're going to get to that song. He goes, and it's awful. And he said, watch the so crowd. The guy set you up. So I would say, you up. <laughs> it's an acquired, but I would say, I would say 50% of the crowd sat down. This is like Bruce's early, uh, like kind of West side story, New York kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a, a few songs in the set list, it's there to showcase the horn section and the percussion and the big band, right? Yeah, I can appreciate that. I think all you know, all good bands want to make sure everybody gets a light shined on them at some point. Next, we go into Night Shift, a song off the uh, the, the Soul Covers record, Only the Strong Survive. Now, we had two songs uh, off that record in the set back-to-back here, but he's dropped the second one, Don't Play That Song, the Aretha Franklin cover. So we just get Night Shift off that record in this slot. So night shifts, night shifts started off great. Um, whoever the percussion, uh, the percussion player was, it was kind of a long intro. And because I had seen past set list, I knew what this is going to be. Yeah. And it was one of the more surprising songs of the night for me. They, they do. He does a good job. Obviously anybody listening to this podcast knows, and I'm just, like I said, a newbie, he does a great job of building of building, building tempo, building uh, enthusiasm in the song. And by the end of this one, the crowd was going nuts. Yeah, the, the one thing that, that stood out on that record is his vocal. He, like, his singing is great. And, and all these live shows that I've heard, his singing is is just as good live. Next, we get a, another song uh, off the Wild Innocent E Street Shuffle. We get the, uh, the E Street Shuffle, another kind of soul song from the E Street Band, one of those early songs. You know, I was not familiar familiar with this one and um they were telling me you know it's one of his most one of his earliest songs um if i remember correctly they jam this one out a little bit don't they yeah this one has like a little drum yeah. solo back and forth thing with max and the percussion guy yeah That's i i really <laughs> i really enjoyed it i thought it i thought it was fun one of the guys was like yeah i'm not really into this one too much because he doesn't like i guess the first two albums and uh, the he guy picks didn't up like he's back i bet right same guy. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, yeah. Same, it's the same and, album. Uh, yeah, same album. <laughs> anyway, 
I, I enjoyed it. I loved, I, this is a jam that I, I could appreciate and I enjoyed and, uh, you know, the band really got into it. So it, it stuck out to me for sure. Uh, next up, we have Johnny 99, uh, track off Nebraska. Right, what, that was about to ask you that, what track it was off of. And now, if yeah. I'm not mistaken, Nebraska is just basically like a very stripped down, all acoustic album. Right? Oh yeah. It's one of his best records. I highly recommend that one, but it doesn't sound anything like the version you're hearing here. But then, like, but yeah, it, that's, that's what, what I was going to say. This was a, it's him, this was a straight up rock song. Yeah, the Nebraska version is him. You know, it's the same vibe, but it's just him with an acoustic guitar singing. But then he turns it into this kind of roadhouse rocker with the horns and everybody, everybody kind of rocking out, right? Right. Yeah. It was. It was. This was one of the more fun songs he played. Yeah. Good stuff. And he goes into a kind of a solo acoustic thing here. The Last Man Standing track off the letter to you about uh you know the band the castiles and him being the last one surviving the last surviving member of his first band one of the standout moments of the entire show one of the things i thought was interesting and a lot of times when you go to shows regardless of the size when somebody breaks out an acoustic guitar and kind of does a little singer songwriter bit you can hear people talking there was not a a mumble from anybody he had all 18,000 people completely under control. And I'm sure he does the same buildup for every show, but the buildup to it, the story behind it made it to me mean a whole lot more than if I just heard it yeah. and, and not know the, the backstory of it. Um, definitely one of the four or five best moments of the show. He knows what he's doing in that sort of solo acoustic singer songwriter, tell a story thing. You, you got to figure he's had a couple years under his belt of doing that one man Broadway show. Right, so he's able to tell a story, and right. he, he's playing his guitar like while he's telling the story. And then when it comes time for him to d deliver the song, you're you're not speaking through his lyric; you're on you're hanging on every word, right? And it's amazing how he, he goes exactly Johnny ninety nine like a rip roaring rocker in this big arena, and then he just brings it right down to a coffee house kind of vibe, right? The the whole time I kept <laughs> thinking like he'd be like a great Southern Baptist preacher. Oh yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a religious he just, experience, he just, man, for sure. <laughs> Yeah, he just he just gets you caught up in whatever he's saying. You're like, yeah, I'll, just, I'll just do whatever he tells me to do. It was uh, 1965. I was 15 years old, and it was a summer afternoon. I heard a knock on my on my front door, and it was a friend of mine from school who had been dating my sister, a guy named George Thies, and. Uh, she told him I played some guitar. I'd been playing for about six months is all. And he invited me to audition for his band. It didn't take too much to get in a band in those days. I'd already been thrown out of one twice, so that lets you know where I was at. <laughs> but uh, that weekend, I followed him to a little part of town by the rug mill. And uh, it was there that I embarked on the greatest adventure of my young life, of my whole life. I joined my first real rock and roll band. Yeah. And we lasted for three years. Teenagers, it was pretty good. 65, 66, 67, an explosive time in American history. An incredible period to be in a rock band, you know. We, we named ourselves after a bottle of shampoo. <laughs> Propecia. No, that, no, that's what I use now. It was uh, Castile shampoo, that was it. Castile shampoo. And, uh, well, if you cut forward, cut forward 50 years, and on another summer day, I found myself with George standing at the side of his deathbed. He'd been fighting lung cancer for three or four years, and he only had a few days to live. And his passing would, would leave me as the last living member of my first band. Um, and that, that'll give you pause to think. It's like you're standing on the railroad tracks with the white hot light of an oncoming train bearing down upon you, it brings a clarity of thought and of purpose that you may not have previously experienced. So I went home and uh, 
a week later, George had passed away, and a little while after that, I wrote this song. Now, it's just about, it's about the job we chose before we knew enough to call it work. It's about the passion that we followed just as children, as children, not knowing where it was going to lead us, you know? And at 15, at 15, it's all tomorrows and hellos. And then later on, there's a lot more goodbyes. But that makes you realize how important living every moment of your life is. This is a last man standing. Faded pictures in an old scrapbook Faded pictures that somebody took When you were hard and young and proud Backed against the wall, running raw and loud Snakeskin vests and a sharkskin suit Cuban heels on your boots You kick in the band, then side by side You take the crowd on their mystery ride Knights of Columbus and the Fireman's Ball Friday night at the Union Hall Black leather clubs all along Route 9 You count the names of the missing As you count off time Rock of ages lift me somehow Somewhere high and hard and loud Somewhere deep into the heart of the crowd Oh, I'm the last man standing school and out of work thrift store jeans and flannel shirts the lights go down as you face the crowd oh the last man standing lights come up at the legion hall Pool cues go back up on the wall Pack your guitar and have one last beer With just the ringing in your ears Rock of ages lift me somehow Somewhere high and hard and loud Somewhere deep into the heart of the crowd Oh, the last man standing I'm the last man standing Oh, the last man standing Uh, Segway right into Backstreets, one of the heaviest songs off Born to Run with that piano intro, right? All right, so this was a song I wasn't familiar with at all. And uh, when it started, the place went nuts. And so I, my, my buddies were kind of cueing me in, you know, like, hey, this is off this album. Yeah. Like, this is like a big fan favorite. And this is off Born to Run, correct? Yeah. Okay. Sure, yeah. 
yeah, I enjoyed it. I don't remember a whole lot specific about it other than the crowd went crazy for it. Yeah, that's an emotional song about friendship and stuff like that, right? Next up, we have uh, Because the Night. Yeah, obviously I'm familiar with, um, you know, was it um, Patti Smith's cover and then Natalie Merchant, she covered it, I yeah, think. 10,000. And I knew it. Yeah, and I knew it was a Springsteen song, but uh, it, it was fun. This one kind of got people dancing more. There were people dancing all night long, but from here on out, it just got ramped up. And, and as far as like the audience participation and, and people's enthusiasm. A couple more here goes into She's the One, Wrecking Ball, and then The, the Rising and Badlands to close out the, uh, the, the sort of main set there. All right, so She's the One. A buddy of mine from Boston texts me and goes, I really hope you get that song. And from what I can tell, it's off Born to Run as well. He yep. played a lot of songs off Born to Run uh, based on my one, two or three spins of the album last night. Driving, I think, home. Yeah, I think he's doing five songs off the – is it five songs? Maybe four or five? Yeah, yeah five. But, so she's, she's the One was really good because I specifically remember my buddy Steve telling me, I hope you get it. And uh, it's one of the reasons that I decided to start my collection off with uh, Born to Run uh, because I liked it that much and uh, saw how many songs they played off that. And then, you know, everything I've read said most people consider that at least number one or number two best albums he's done. Yeah, so uh, because sure. of She's the One, I got that. Wrecking Ball, uh, I was familiar with that. I'm a lot more familiar with his some of his newer stuff, to be honest with you, than, than the really old stuff. Right. I like it, but then The Rising. So The Rising, for whatever reason has always really touched me emotionally, um, knowing the backstory of it, when it came out. Um, I just, I've probably watched live performances of it. I've probably watched 500, 500 times over the years. Um, and I, I like that. I actually like that album. I'm fairly familiar with it. But one of the things I love on that song is I love the whammy bar solo that Bruce does. And is it technically great? No, but he's playing it with so much feel and it. It seems like every every time you hear it, it's a little bit different, you know, based on like the tone the guitar has yeah, or yeah. feedback or whatever. But one of my favorite m musical things, and I'm such a music nerd, and most people are going to probably think this is stupid. But when he comes out of that solo and Stephen comes and sings with him and it's the part about, you know, uh, uh basically the telling of the story that I understand it, this is the people going up the steps of the world trade center. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it, it's extremely powerful to me. And Steven didn't do it. He stayed at his own microphone and he didn't go over and sing it until well, the, it's the COVID very, days. The very, man. It's COVID days, man. You, maybe they're keeping some distance. Although I did well, see a picture of them kissing on the lips, I think from Kansas city. <laughs> do you remember no, that he, moment? He, he, <laughs> he, he came over and sang with him the whole night. Really? It just wasn't on um, that part. Except, yeah. The one thing I was kind of looking forward to that I always thought was a really cool moment, and and I didn't get that, but the crowd loved this one, and uh, the background singers um, really do a good job on this one. All right, so I kind of was tipped in that some of the uh, bigger songs for, I guess, the diehard fans are like Jungle Land and Badlands and Thunder Road and stuff like that. Yeah. So um, I was semi-familiar with it, and uh, man, the crowd went nuts and it, it it got me going too even for a song that i didn't know i only sat down a couple of times the whole show i stayed on my feet but there was so much energy from the crowd on this one. Oh yeah it's incredible man it's it's the greatest thing at a springsteen show right and i'm glad you're a fan now because it is one of those things he's one of those artists that is able to elevate his music live like no other right we go into the exactly. encore and just the standard encore here we get like six incredible hits right in a row right thunder road born to run Rosalita, Glory Days, Dancing in the Dark, 10th Avenue, Freeze Out. All right, now if I remember correctly, Thunder Road, is that the one that starts off with the harmonica? Yeah, a little piano harmonica okay. intro, yeah. So he came out and hit the hit the harmonica and just the place just went bonkers. Yeah. And uh I was like, that's good. And then I believe it was on Born to Run is when they just cut the house lights on for the rest of the show. Yeah. And you could really I, I've got some video just of the crowd with the lights on. It was amazing. Everybody was just on their feet. It was just like it was a party and that you knew everybody at the party. And uh, just absolutely one of those moments you go, yeah, I kind of get it now. And then Rosalita come out tonight. That one got the crowd moving. They, uh, I believe if I remember correctly, they extended that one a little bit um, at the end. But then Glory Days. I mean, I don't understand how anybody can't like this song. And I mean, the crowd was singing at the top of their lungs. On my video, you can hear me completely 
off key and and out of tune or yeah. whatever you want to call it. Good times. And then dancing in the dark. Even there were people trying to do the Courtney Cox dance. Yeah, you know, I guess people were dancing in the aisles and, and doing the uh, the Courtney oh, Cox just Courtney Cox um, dance, right? <laughs> yeah, one of my buddies even tried doing it for a second. I was like, man, that's embarrassing. Stop. But <laughs> and then Tenth Avenue freeze out. Now is this the one where he honors uh, Clarence Clemens? Yeah, there's a part of the Emory they show Clarence on the screen, and I think they show Danny as well. He usually comes out to the walkway, and there's a guy in the middle part, out in the pit, and he'll walk out in the middle part for uh, he did. half of that song. Yeah, He did that, but I'll tell you what, I mean, obviously the crowd went nuts on that. But maybe to me, my favorite moment of the entire show was the closing number, I'll See You in My Dreams. Yeah, it's heavy. The The crowd did not make a peep. My buddy, my buddy Chris started crying. During it, he was like, it just hit me. It was so emotional. And I thought it was just such an amazing way to end such a big, uplifting show. Yeah, super cool. Getting a lot of good comments on the way he's ending that show. And, uh, you know, after two and a half hours of just rocking with the band, he just ends it quietly. Just him on stage in the dark there with the crowd, you know. Really nice moment. Yeah, it was really... I'll be honest with you. I don't think you could have walked out on the high that you had from, like, 10th Avenue Freeze Out. Like your heart rate would be going too high and you'd be outside like just amped up. And this brought it down enough to where you got your breath. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you left and went outside. And most people were just kind of like shaking their head when it was over with. Um, but at the end of that song, just like that's very emotional. Like my buddy Chris, yeah, he teared up and started crying. And he was just like, man, it just hit me. And uh, I said, I've never even heard it before. And it moved me. Yeah, that's a heavy song about uh, you know losing people and moving on. And great way to end the show. All right, man. So your first Springsteen show. Can you break it down to one highlight of the night? Um, let me look at the set list here. I would just think for me personally, getting to see the Rising yeah. because of of his, I guess what you would say, nine mega hits. Um, that was it. I really, really wanted to see Brilliant Disguise. That may be my favorite. Bruce song and I've seen he's played it once or twice but it wasn't on the set list tonight yeah he played it on the first night I believe and Patty was there that's a song he's only going to do with Patty so if she's not on stage you can basically cut out you know some all the tunnel of love songs. she was not <laughs> as far as she was not at if if I don't know if she wasn't like with the background singers or what but she was not on the stage she hasn't been at many shows I don't think she has COVID but uh I guess she's just not on every gig just gotta stay home and take care of the kids or something. All the kids are all <laughs> kids are all grown up. Like, yeah, he's like seventy two, seventy three. And I mean, he's yeah, not Mick Jagger. He's still <laughs> p- spitting kids out every every yeah, other he's year. He's a grandpa now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, David. Well, thanks so much for uh, giving us the recap of uh, your very first Springsteen show and having that perspective of a new fan was uh, excellent. Give us some closing thoughts there. Plug your show, please. Yeah, the State of America podcast. You can find us on any um, podcast platform. It's all about the Black Crows, the Black Crows universe, but we also do some other things. Like we've had Susan Tedeschi on. We're having Patterson Hood from Drive by Truckers on tomorrow night. Uh, Charlie Starr from Blackberry Smoke. Um, that guy you love, Steve Gorman. He's been on there. Um, I love Steve. Man. <laughs> he, he's a he's a super nice guy, by the way. Um, yeah, if you if you like the Black Crows, give us a listen. Um, it's a it's a positive podcast. We don't get into all the dirt surrounding. Uh, the Robinson Brothers and and the history of that band. We keep it positive and keep it about the music. Did you see that little clip? That I'm sure you have of uh, when they were in it. Was it England when that guy uh, jumped on the stage and uh, <laughs> Rich gave him a little uh, shot there? What right I to thought the was funny the was the guy almost the guy almost didn't even like try to defend himself and just Chris just hit, I mean, uh, Rich just hit him head on with the yeah the butt end with of the, the guitar uh, with the, the guitar. Oh man, wow, <laughs> rock and roll. Yeah, that was yeah that that wasn't. It's, it reminded me of, uh, I guess, in the early 80s, some guy jumped on stage with the Stones, and uh, yeah. Keith swung at him, and then put his guitar back on and yeah, didn't miss a beat. Kept on playing, yeah, still in tune, yeah. This is a Telecaster, man. Yeah. <laughs> Good exactly. Stuff. All right, well, thank you so much, David. Great to talk to you, my friend. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Um, I'm a Bruce fan now, and my Bruce vinyl collection will start tomorrow when Born to Run gets here. Can't see nothing in front of me. Can't see nothing coming up behind Make my way through this darkness Can't feel nothing but this chain that binds me Lost track of how far I've gone Far I've gone, how high I climb
On my back's a 60 pound stone On my shoulder half mile line Come on up for the folks thanks for listening you can find us on our website at trampslikeuspod.com communicate with us on facebook at our tramps like us podcast group page tramps like us podcast is a non-profit audio fanzine created by fans for fans and is available for free we are not affiliated with bruce springsteen or columbia sony records if you've heard any music you like please find it and purchase it from brucespringsteen.net amazon your local record store or wherever music is sold As always, gratitude and respect to Bruce Springsteen and all past and current members 
of the heart-stopping, pants-dropping, hard-rocking, booty-shaking, earthquaking, love-making, Viagra-taking, history-making, testifying, death-defying, legendary E Street Band. The East Street Band loves you, Kansas City. I'll be seeing you. God bless. Safe travels.